is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Cortree Lover and or... Corey Star. Oh, I was hoping you were going to go with like Corey Goldstar since our movie is like the kindergarten teacher. Oh, that's but, good. But... You know, I know why you did this. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But hi, how are you? I am doing pretty well. Um, You know, I ran three miles this morning and then I walked Damn. a mile uh, a couple hours ago. Um, Just trying to increase my overall uh, workout to, to burn more calories because I am stuck at a weight and I, I'm like 20 pounds away from my goal and I, I'm stuck here. Um, I'm not willing to cut more calories. I already feel like I'm only eating like 1800 calories before workouts um, with Word. workouts. I eat a little bit more, but you know, it balances out. And so I am like, I'm good. I don't want to cut too many more calories. Cause according to everything I've read, I'm eating the appropriate amount of calories where I should still be losing two pounds. And I'm just like stuck at it. And I know saying that during a quarantine, when a lot of people are complaining of weight gain, isn't the coolest yeah, thing in the world. But <laughs> I've, I've worked really hard to not gain weight. I have ate worse over the last two months for sure, but I've still, I've been actively exercising and burning off those calories. You and exercise again, every day though, right? Every day, but Sunday. Sunday is a day okay, of rest. Okay, you do um, get a but, day of rest. But I only because I've read that it's bad to not rest your muscles and that it can actually stunt the work. The, everything you're doing can be damaged by okay. consistent, like not giving your body time to heal um it's the only reason i don't like i am i often suffer from guilt uh on sunday like i'm like i should be working out i should be working out right now um and uh i end up often still taking like a a small walk but not like a you know not active walk just like a a, still probably a mile but it's very leisurely paced um just because i feel like i gotta burn some extra calories because i'm just sitting around uh not working out um but yeah and obviously i've started running uh which is the big big change to my exercise habit um i was always walking on the treadmill at the gym um at least three times a week but like i was literally just walking now i'm actively running i'm still i guess jogging is more accurate from what i've i've, I've read a lot about running because i get nerdy with everything i do you know i have to know like all the we details know. and um i can't just <laughs> i can't just accept it at face value that i'm running now i have to like know things and read things and ask people questions and be obnoxious about it but um I, I, that's always a sign that I'm going to stick to something though. If I, if I invest that kind of time, it's usually uh, a dedication that I'm not going to just walk away from it. Um, which is, was important with me, uh, knowing that the gym is going to be probably off limits for a while. Um, so I needed something, uh, that I, I enjoy because I, I kind of hate my workout at home. Um, it's just not as, it's not as, uh, fun or even, I think just cause I'm at home, it doesn't feel as, impactful uh but the run because i leave the house at least and it feels a lot more exciting even though it's it's so hot now yeah <laughs> um, yeah when i started it was nice now it's like even at like 7 30 in the morning it's still like you know already feeling like it's 80 85 90 degrees and, and i'm running that humidity though like oh yeah that just takes your breath away oh yeah, it, and it's been bad. Like, I'll wake up and oh. look at the, the weather, and it's like, 100%. I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> Are you <laughs> trying on. to kill? Yeah. Uh-huh. But, um, but, yeah, so uh, today's been uh, – we had a lot of work stuff today because we are trying to finalize our plans for uh, starting school in a month. 
Holy um, heck, already? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're all stressed out. Um, our, our community next to, because Florida, where I am, and where Corey is from, but no longer, uh, is one of the biggest hotspots of the coronavirus right now. Um, and right before we started this, I was reading an article from CNN that there is a claim that there is a mutated version of the virus that is not <laughs> not more deadly, not more deadly, but uh, far more infectious um, and more likely to uh, to cling. So, um, yeah. Uh, so Florida has not officially made mass mandatory because our governor is, you know, being chill. Um, but our a, a city next to mine has made it mandatory with the threat of fines as a penalty for not wearing a mask in public places. Um, and I think it specifically says inside public places um, where social distancing is not possible um, that you are supposed to be wearing masks and or and suffering up to a $250 fine. So like seatbelt law type stuff. And of course, people are reacting in the two polarizing sides, either yes, thank goodness, or... Um, like an absolute baby. I mean, you would think like... I don't know. I, I got into, I didn't even read what, if anyone responded to my comments on a, the news post on Facebook, but cause I was just like, you know what? I don't know why I'm doing this again. I hadn't been on Facebook for over a week. And then that pulled me in. Um, cause I was like, well, you can't be ignorant about this. Like let's it's, it's the literally simplest thing they're asking of us. And the thing that's really throwing me off is people claiming it's like the government's controlling us. I'm like, how is um... wearing a piece of fabric on your face? that much control like what are they going to gain from aha we've got you now your face is covered it's like I, what the hell i i keep seeing all kinds of things because the mayor of boise today um you can tell i'm not from here because i say boise um she passed whatever to make it mandatory to wear masks indoors and outdoors when you can't be socially distanced if you have a health issue where you're not supposed to wear a mask, okay. If you're under five years old, okay. You don't have to wear one. But just like seeing what people are comparing wearing a mask to, I'm like, you're so ignorant. Like, like a step past the controlling thing. I'm seeing it compared to Shar Sharia law. I'm like, what? I, I just, I don't know. I don't get like I, I I really don't get what's what's the big deal is about it to be honest like to me it's like okay this is a simple way to potentially prevent the spread of the disease um I, I still can't get how anyone is acting like this disease isn't real um there's plenty of evidence plenty of people have died uh plenty of people have it and again I don't know the some of the conspiracies make like zero logical sense because it's like well why what is how is the government benefiting from this at all um and yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not putting it past. I'm not in. I'm not full skeptic where it's not possible. This is a conspiracy, but I still don't see what the end game is. And a lot of the people who are saying the their theories have no rhyme or reason. And it's just like, look, guys, even if you are right, wearing the mask is a small concession to potentially stopping this deadly virus. Like, let's let's do that. So, um, you know, it's it's really no different than the seatbelt law. Except with the seatbelt, you're only really protecting yourself. Where with the mask, you're not only protecting yourself potentially, but you're preventing others from getting sick. Especially since the scariest part of this virus is the asymptomatic element of it. That you can have it and not show symptoms. And you may never show symptoms. You may be completely fine. That's the crazy thing about this. You may have already had it. 
and you wouldn't know. But you still could have gave it to someone who will suffer severely simply because you wouldn't put a piece of fabric over your mouth and nose. And that's what bugs me. It's not too much to ask. It's a simple concession. It's a simple decency, a considerable thing to do to help prevent the spread and potential, again, death. People have died from this. So, it, again, not a political podcast, but, again, it's it's the world we're living in, and it's so frustrating when I think Corey and I are both uh, – we actively generally don't want to get sick. So it's like, hey, people, please. It, it's not It's not like we're saying you can't even go to work right now. We're simply saying if you just would wear the mask so that we can keep trying to at least function like the world isn't on fire, you know? Yes, I also want to say that I am absolutely in no way um, acting like I know everything uh, when I right. talked about Sharia law a minute ago. I just don't see the connections that people are making between things. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not saying I know everything or anything. Uh, the conspiracies could be right. I'm just saying that even if they are wearing the little fabric what does on your it... face. Yeah, it's like if I... If I ever found out that I got someone sick and I could have prevented it, I would feel pretty crappy. I mm-hmm. And I also suffer from that whole guilt thing as well. And I just, I don't know. And I'm mostly staying home. And I know that you're mostly staying home too. It's just yep. all those little things. I don't feel controlled. I can still spend all my money online. So... I don't know. Trying not to do that because we need know, to get right? my daughter a car um, at some point. And, uh, uh, oh. No, no, that's fine. Go ahead. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Well, I think it's time we move into the next phase of the episode, which is not talking about politics or uh, – I guess we're not really talking about politics. However, the disease has been turned into a political thing, and it that's yeah. part of the problem. Um, this should be a health <sighs> crisis, not a political issue. But nonetheless, um, let's move to uh, – what we've been watching since the last time we recorded um before i guess we do that i should if you're new to the show sorry we don't always talk about stuff like this but right now it's super relevant uh generally speaking movie club was made because Corey and i love movies however we have a bad habit of rewatching the same movies because we like comfort and some movies just make us feel good inside um it's the reason i've seen adam sandler's original seven movies way too many times but um we started movie club to encourage that we at least watch one brand new movie every single week. And we've been doing it now for about five years uh, or at least four Holy and a half. Shoot. So we've watched a lot of movies that we, we've, we've been putting off and wanting to see and some movies that we would never have watched um, because we have themes that come into play, which this month we're doing small screen for the second time. In fact, this is our first episode of small screen uh, for the second time this year though, but for the month of uh, July, 2020, and our first movie for small screen, Corey got to pick, is The Kindergarten Teacher, um, which is on Netflix right now. And I think it might also be on Prime, um, maybe mm-hmm. to rent. Uh, I did not check that, but I, I watched it on Netflix, which I'm assuming so did Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to our review of that in a little bit. Before we do, we like to catch up on what other movies we've been watching. I guess we kind of did. We usually do how, what's going on, and we kind of covered that with our paranoia about the virus. Uh, <laughs> So we'll just move into what we've been watching uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, you want to go first or second, Corey? I'll go first. Alrighty. Um, so I watched. There's a weird mini series on uh, Prime called Autopsy. Not to be confused with Autopsy from HBO that you know had Dr. Michael Batten in it. It 
there are only three episodes. I watched the first one, which is The Last Hours of River Phoenix. Um, and it's a medical examiner who's, like, going through, like, the like acting medical examiners report and the toxicology reports and they like act out you know dramatize you know some of the events from the night so that was kind of interesting um the next episode's uh elvis presley and i don't know who the third episode is but um i watched horror noir finally oh and a lot of the movies that they talk about in that documentary are now streaming on Shudder. So way to go, Shudder. I should, I need to check some out. Um, mm-hmm. I also watched The Florida Project. I can't believe you never saw that as much as I talked about that movie. I know. You've been telling me to watch it forever, and I don't know, I don't know what happened this week. I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to watch this. Um, and you didn't prepare me for that, though, John. Um, dang. And then I watched Baby Teeth. Oh, I didn't know you watched it. Yeah. Oh, and the, what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. Why is poor Beth always sick? Right? <laughs> Why is she always sick? Um, she's she's a great actress though because I think even when she's just being quiet and I just she just makes me feel I don't know I just. You know, she's so good at, like, is the word emoting? I don't know. Sure. Probably. Um, I, I don't know for sure if that's what you mean, but it's, it's definitely a word, and it, it applies to her for sure. Perfect. Okay. Um, I just thought, I really liked, oh, God, now I'm forgetting his name, the guy that played, like, her love interest. Ah, um, he's, he's a famous actor in Australia, but not super famous in the U.S. Um, his name is Toby Wallace. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed his um, performance in it as well. I thought that his, you know, arc, I liked his arc a lot. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a really good movie. It is hard to watch. It, there are parts where it's tough. Yes. Um, yeah. I And I just like, I read the synopsis and I was just like, okay. <laughs> and I watched it. And I was like, oh, and you're like, oh, it, there are some tough scenes. And when you say that every time I'm like, I don't know if I have the emotional capacity for this right now. Guys, I'm very emotional. Um, and I feel too much. Uh, and then I watched our movie for the week and then we both watched Penelope, which is her short film. Did you um notice who the mom in Baby Teeth is? Yeah, but I don't know her name. It's Essie Davis, but do you know like what she's like most famous for? She's from another movie that we've watched. A movie that you love. Uh, it's not Housebound. It's um, no. Essie Davis. She's from um, she's the mom from uh, give me a second. It has the screaming kid Babadook. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she was also in a couple of episodes of a tv show and i wasn't expecting her to show up there hmm. Ugh, wasn't games game of thrones i can't remember what show it was but i didn't realize that was her when i was watching it though yeah she's she's amazing and she was in um the true oh, history game of the thrones. kelly gang oh well there you go she's in the true history of the kelly gang um uh which was from last year i think that i saw this year if i'm not mistaken on a screener but she's excellent in that too. Uh, she's really, really great. And Ben Mendelsohn also in Baby Teeth. Um, my my other podcast partner Matt and I just did our episode for Baby Teeth 
of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. So if you uh, are interested in hearing that, we do spoiler-free reviews on that show um, because we're always doing new releases. Um, so you can check that out wherever you get your podcast or go to BerkReviews.com and search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and it'll pop right up. Um, she looks so different with brown hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, from Babadook, she looks completely different, almost unrecognizable in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, are you? Uh, is that? Did we get everything? Yes. All right. So I've still been watching Gilmore Girls. Um, I, I love that show. Uh, a great example of why I was watching an episode. I don't remember if it was this morning or yesterday because I've been watching them kind of like while I'm doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a, a Hudson Hawk reference. <laughs> Right, they're at the video store, and she—they're renting. To be fair, they're renting like silly bad movies, and Hudson Hawk is one of the names they drop. But the fact that that movie made it onto that show, I'm like, okay, okay, right away, loving. I already have other reasons to love it, but that's a key. And then at the in the middle of that episode, they're doing, um, they're trying to like report on the seedy underbelly of of their town, which their town is like this dream town. It's it's fictional enough even within the show, like it's so perfect of a town, um, and. The character says, uh, this town's so squeaky clean it would make Frank Capra sick, which is a Wonderful Life reference. And that, if you know me, uh, yes. you know that, that like, I'm just like, oh, this movie, in one episode, Hudson Hawk and a Frank Capra reference, this movie, this show gets me on a level that just nobody else does. Um, on a side note, when you brought up the Florida Project, uh, three of my students, two of which I am, uh, I'm sorry, they're former students. They have long since graduated. It's like they're four years out at maybe five at this point. But um, two of them... Uh, when they found out i was watching gilmore's gilmore girls started a group chat with me too because they were just finishing well one of them had watched it many years ago and rewatched it with their roommate now who both of them are former students but the roommate had never seen it until now um so they she just finished so i'm like several seasons behind but like they wanted to know my take on things because i was their film teacher so they love that's where a lot of our conversations uh lie is with movies and tv stuff and um so like I will they I will gradually like text them information about like the episodes and whatnot. But um, previously, before we started this chat, they had just watched the Florida Project because of my recommendation and were not happy with me. <laughs> um, they did not like the movie. Uh, partly they blame Letterbox actually because the synopsis uh, they felt was not accurate of what the film is, and I would agree with that. I don't I don't think the synopsis is is the best on Letterbox for the movie. Um, and but uh, I was so disappointed. I love that movie so much, and I, I taught Florida Project um, to my just recently graduated class. But I taught it their junior year, and they were mostly loved it. I think there was maybe one or two who didn't really click with it, but mostly uh, it it really connected with everybody, and they were moved by it. And I, I just adore the movie. I, I'm a big Sean Baker advocate. Um, I just think he is he is doing stuff with film that other people just aren't. Um, especially his ability to capture the real world and then tell it in a fictional story, but it reflects what's actually happening in society. And I just love that. But uh, so Gilmore girls um, is the TV I've been watching uh, movies. Um, one I can't talk about yet, which I can't wait to mention. I can say I watched it, but I cannot give any other information, but the, it's a movie called Fisherman's friends. Um, I'm under embargo until like the middle of July, but uh, it comes out on VOD then. And uh, look for my review. I think it's like July 20th. I can post my review. So look for that. Um, Fisherman's Friends, though. Uh, look it up. See what it is. Um, that's all I can say. I can't give any positive or negative comments. Um, but I watched a movie called Mighty Oak. 
which is out now on VOD. Um, my review, I think, either posted today or yeah, I think I posted it today. Um, so two days ago, when you're hearing this, um, I I wanted to watch it because it was a it's got like a musical element. It's a about a singer. He dies, and then the sister, who is the manager of the band, finds this kid who's like a guitar prodigy, and she sees her brother in him and uh reunites the band 10 years after her brother's death um and then there's this whole like reincarnation element to the movie that they're kind of debating the the possibility of and uh it's all written for an actual real life 10 year old guitar prodigy like this kid is a legit guitarist uh he's a natural and so the movie was basically written to showcase his talent it does a decent job of that as far as his musical ability um but it, it suffers in some areas. The script is very cliche. Uh, it ties up all of its little connections. Um, not not a bad movie, not an excellent movie, but an interesting elements uh, for sure. I watched Baby Teeth for Bloody Awesome. Uh, Corey, oh man, I know you're not a big Will Ferrell fan, but Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, not a great movie. It's super dumb, but man, it's funny as crap, uh, to me at least. I, I thought it was one of the funnier Will Ferrell movies in the last couple of years. Um, also, I didn't know that Eurovision Song Contest was a real thing. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, super real thing. Um, it's apparently like there's uh, just some horrible th- songs make it in. It is everything about the contest in the movie is apparently based on fact. Uh, not not the characters in it, but as far as like it, all the European countries compete. And then um, whichever country wins, I guess, hosts the, the next year um and like some really bad stuff gets into it and it's i guess very political in some ways um which is a part of the plot it's um to me a lot of the plot in the movie is superficial and pointless on purpose i I feel like it mocks some of the expectations um but rachel mcadams is a comedic genius uh i i felt like she obviously she's excellent in mean girls but um she's so good in game night from last year i think it was maybe two years ago and she's so funny in Eurovision Song Contest. Like, there's, she's just got this natural comedy about her that I love. Um, I watched, uh, on a screener, I watched The Rental, which I can't, I don't think I can say anything about. Hang on. Um, oh, I still have to. Yeah, can't say anything about till July 20th. But um, it is, uh, the only thing I can say is who directed it. It is directed by um, Dave Franco. It's his directorial debut. Oh. Um, so I was excited to get to watch that. I won't say if I liked it or not, um, but look for my review on that. I watched Shirley, um, the uh, movie. It's a, it's not a Hulu original, but it is only on Hulu right now. Um, it stars uh, Elizabeth Moss, who I am a huge fan of. Uh, Odessa Young, who was amazing in Assassination Nation. So I was excited when I realized that was her. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, who is always awesome. And then Logan Lerman, who honestly feels like he's not in that movie very much. Um like even though he's one of the big four but uh elizabeth moss is just continually impressing me i knew nothing about shirley jackson i don't think i've read any of shirley jackson stuff i didn't know the haunting of hill house which is a netflix series was based on her book nothing when i went into this movie i knew nothing um i didn't know it was a biopic i didn't know what what it was at all so i kind of went in just like hey the slash film cast just did a uh, review of this i want to watch the movie before i listen to that episode of the podcast um i really like the movie I know you've tried to watch it and have not been able to finish it, but you have a connection to the uh, the writer? Yeah, I've read a couple of her books uh, recently. I read, like, uh, 
her short stories and I feel like her, sh- I have like, I can't remember if it's just Shirley Jackson's, I think it's The Lottery and Other Short Stories is the title of the book. And uh, I feel like her short stories are very, you know, uh, well, I The don't... Lottery is supposed to be really iconic. I've not read that. But it's, it's amazing. Be... It's the last story in the book. And I feel yeah. like it was worth getting through that whole entire book to get to the lottery i can't even imagine how shocking and up in arms everyone must have been reading that in a you know like a household magazine yeah it's wild um it it, like you're reading it and you already know what's going to happen she's not like trying to hide that from you but it still is just so you're just like what at the end uh i like that it like started with that you know, part of her life, at least when I was watching it, I still have like a third of it that I haven't seen. I don't, I, I really appreciate what the film's doing. It's, it's not being a traditional biopic at all. And I, I like that. Um, not that I, I'm not opposed to traditional biopics, but I, I do like this particular one. Um, but yeah, and that's, and then I watched the kindergarten teacher and, uh, Penelope, um, <laughs> tonight uh for our episode which i didn't know we were recording tonight so i'm glad i watched them when i did but yeah i'm um, sorry oh <laughs> uh, it worked out perfect um all right so that is uh what we've been watching um i also i have been playing final fantasy 7 remake and i'm working my way slowly um through the game i keep thinking i'm close to the end and then i'm like well maybe not i can't tell uh it is one of the weirdest things though because i loved final fantasy 7 when i was in high school um, it was one of the the most like influential games that I remember playing. Like all of my friends played it. We were all talking about it all the time. And so when I'm playing this remake, I realize I don't remember anything about Final Fantasy VII for the most part. Like I remember the character designs. Um, I remember a few little details, but man, as far as like the structure or the plot, like I don't know if this game is completely different or if my memory is just that devoid of any details that i'm just like this all feels brand new to me i don't remember any of this um it's it's pretty crazy but uh in a good way because i'm enjoying playing it for the most part um there's a few some of the dialogues a little cringy or whatever but it's overall enjoyable um but i think that's it uh anything else before we move to the next phase Corey? no then let's uh take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back first with a micro-review of a new short film directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal called Penelope. And then we'll get into our full review of The Kindergarten Teacher. All right, we are back. Um, And it's hard to break this down because um, it's not actually Penelope on Netflix, but this is on Netflix under a uh, TV series called Homemade. And TV series is strong. It's a series of shorts, so it's more of a... um... Oh boy, Corey, what's the word? Are we wanting to say anthology? That is totally what I wanted to say. It's an anthology series of short films, all made, uh, at least under my my understanding, um, yeah, according to IMDb, confined at home as a consequence of the COVID-19 outbreak, filmmakers created personal moving stories <laughs> that capture our shared experience <laughs> of life in quarantine. Um, I don't I really know. This is moving. Um, so Maggie, <laughs> Jill, there's a lot of, I actually want to watch a lot of these because there's some really big name directors or yeah. actors on here. Um, like you have, uh, Pablo Lorraine did one. Um, I, I said like there was a bunch and now I have nobody else. Um, 
uh, Antonio Campos I know of. Kristen Stewart did one, which I'm definitely interested in watching because I am a fan of her as an actress. I'm curious to see how she directed it. Uh, Paleo Sor- Sorrentino, I think I know as well. Rachel Morrison sounds familiar. Um, but I'm very curious. But Maggie Gyllenhaal directed the one we watched. And we, we decided to watch it because she, I, I happened to catch on Instagram that she was like, hey, my short film is going to be on this thing. I'm like, oh, that's cool because we're doing a movie that where she stars in The Kindergarten Teacher. Why not do both? Um, so it's 11 minutes long. Um, oh, I clicked on her name instead of her episode. Oh, I guess, nope, there's just no details. I was hoping to have the details. It does not have them yet um, because it literally came out, I think, today um, oh. or yesterday. Uh, it, it's only been out for like one day. So there's no details on IMDb about the cast of her particular film. And there's too many films for me to like try to scroll through all this cast and pull out things. But know that uh, her husband is the star and it, it is Peter uh, Skarsgård. Am I saying that right? Um, I think it's Skarsgård. I, I always screw up the stars and the scars. They're, they're very similar. Um, but uh, we watched it. It's 11 minutes long. Um, we won't spoil it, but it's it's a little weird. Um. I think it's it's interesting, and you definitely get the uh, quarantine isolated um, vibe from it. Without, I mean, it's it's literally part of the uh, the setting that he's in a uh, some kind of virus pandemic thing. It's it's not COVID, but it is something like that. And we see him go through a series of days as his life kind of like we establish his routine, and then what he's connecting with, and uh, <laughs> he's connecting all right. Um, <laughs> need you to stop uh it's 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 weird but you know i'm not sure if if it's great or it it could be brilliant it could be fine i don't really know um i didn't dislike it i thought it was a little weird but i'm okay with weird so what did you think i'm gonna agree with everything you said i really liked at the beginning that um i hope that it is something that all the directors did at the beginning and the end, we find out where it was filmed. It says Vermont, so I'm assuming that's where it's filmed and not just where it takes place. Um, and then also at the end, she like wraps up and says that it was just her and like I think six other people, and she just gives like a little blurb about it. Um, and it just made it very personal. I thought that I really like like those muted uh, like tones i guess i liked i thought it looked very beautiful um Mm. definitely strange i was like trying to find her episode while we were like you know chatting about it a little bit um earlier and hers most of them were like six or five or eight minutes long and so far when i got down to episode 10 which is her episode um hers was like the longest one at that point with 11 minutes i think but um i think that it's a really cool idea I'm, I'd like to know some more of the technical side of it, like what they filmed it on, if they used an, like an iPhone or if they had a, a red camera or, you oh. know, I'd like, I'm curious to see how much of a production um, crew they really had, uh, like even with sound, because um, I, I mean, the sound mixing is pretty solid, you know, there's a lot of like background stuff, it, it's, it's very well made, it doesn't look like it's a home movie or anything like that, so don't, don't expect no, it it's to be beautiful. bad quality, yeah, it, it looks like a short film uh, done with a decent budget. Um, these are people who are in the industry, so it's you know they're not unfamiliar. And Vancouver is a uh, prime filming location right now because of tax breaks. So it, it, they probably had access to uh, high level equipment. Um, they were probably even I, they might live there, but they probably also work there frequently. 
would be my guess. Um, you know, I, I don't. Yes. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Vancouver. It's Vermont. Mm-hmm. I heard. So my bad. Uh, Vermont, not to my knowledge, filming at all. So who knows? Um, close to Canada. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you know that because I'm really bad with geography. So yeah, yeah. My my bad. Uh, I I thought it was Vancouver. Um, oops. So take back all of what I said. So they have maybe no access to equipment except for what they own themselves. But again, that is the beauty of our technology right now is you can shoot really high quality film uh, with a, a couple of apps that cost a little bit of money, but and then some uh, some attachments to your iPhone. Um, if you get a gimbal to really give you some Steadicam oh. shots. Uh, which you can get a decent gimbal for a couple hundred bucks. Um, and with Amazon, you can get all that stuff still um, for sure. So I just think it's so amazing how it is so accessible. I mean, it's still not, I'm not saying everybody has, you know, a thousand bucks to go buy stuff, but I, I just feel like traditionally it hasn't been as accessible to make such high quality. I don't know films and stuff no for sure i mean the sean baker really uh, established that too i love to bring him back to this but with uh tangerine he filmed the whole thing on iphone 5s's with a app called filmic pro and some attachable uh lenses um to the camera and uh it looks amazing that movie it has really great cinematography and i um he brings back the mobile uh video at the end of the florida project i won't say for what reason but um i would I thought we had talked about that, and I thought that that is what you had said. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and there's, I think there's um, thematic reasons for the change in the style in that moment as well, um, which, again, I won't get into because it's spoilers, but uh, love that movie so much. I can talk about it forever. Um, I really, that, really do. That was my boy making Blair in there, right? Because I... Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Macon's, uh he has a very small but important part in the movie. Um, okay. And, uh, Willem Dafoe, I think, gives his best performance ever. I absolutely love him as Bobby in that movie. Um, he's so good. He's just so great in that film. Uh, some of my favorite shots in that film revolve around his character. Um, it's uh, just amazing. I've driven past that hotel twice since I've seen the movie. Um, Isn't it so crazy? And I remember the wizard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That wizard's iconic. Uh, if you've li- if you've ever driven through Kissimmee, that that wizard. Sorry, we're not here to talk about the Florida Project, but again, love that movie. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Let's get into our feature uh, review of the night, though. We, we both thought Penelope was interesting. I think we both might watch some more of the anthology. But yes. with that, let's get into The Kindergarten Teacher. It is from 2018. I did not know this until today, but it is a remake of an Iranian film, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm not mistaken on that. But it is a remake of what? another film um, from uh, 2014 uh, by the exact same name, the exact same premise, just not American actors. And I believe it is in the, you know, the other language. Um, we see here our director is Sarah Colangelo, Colangelo, and she is given credit for the adaptation of the script. But you'll note Nadav Lapid is the uh, based on mm. screenplay. He was the original director and writer for the Iranian. Again, I, I'm hoping I'm right that it's Iranian and not something else. Um, but uh, the film stars Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she is the lead for sure. Um, but also has Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, who is always excellent. I lo- I'm a big, big fan of him. Um, and then I'm going to scroll. Uh, her husband in the film is played by Michael Chernis, who I know from Orange is the New Black. Um, and then Jimmy Roy, who is the main kid in the movie, is uh, uh, played by Parker Savak. And I feel like he deserves a lot of credit because he has to do a little bit of work. Um, 
and then uh, Rosa Salazar, who I am a real big fan of. Um, she is uh, Alita Battle Angel, and um, she was in uh, Bird Box, which I absolutely hated, but people loved. And um, she, not very long, but she's in it for a few scenes. And then she was in the Chips remake, uh, which is not so great, but she's been a regular guest on Douglas Movies for years, so I've been a fan of hers. Um, and she's in two of the Maze Runner movies, uh, the second and third. Um, but yeah, uh, she's she's a really good actress, and I was excited to see her. And she's not used much, but she does fine. Um, and that's pretty much it. This movie's really Maggie Gyllenhaal. Like, she is the uh, focal point in every way. It's her character. Um, the IMDb plot synopsis says a kindergarten teacher in New York becomes obsessed with one of her students whom she believes is a child prodigy. And uh, it doesn't specify here what, but... Um, it goes back to Corey's nickname of Coretry Lover because um, it's like a play on poetry, which is what the kid is a prodigy at. He uh, just starts spitting um, some pretty uh, heavy bars uh, for a, a five-year-old or a five-and-a-half-year-old. Um, Corey, you picked this movie for a small screen. What what drew you to this? Um, it looked terrifying. Really? I, uh, yeah. As a non-parent, <laughs> like, um, it, I don't know. I was just like, I started looking at, um, we were trying to look for movies for small screens, uh, that, you know, that were made by streaming companies and stuff. So I started looking through like the list of best of best of, and I went through quite a few. Um, some people lose all whatever with me when I see some of the other movies that they have listed. And then I'm like, okay, on to the next list. Um, but I just saw this one and I, I really loved her and Frank. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. And I haven't seen like all of her movies, but she's like intense. Um, I was just kind of interested in the story, you know, I like read a little blurb about it. It had like high marks on this list. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh my God, you know, I also question why I did that because I don't like feeling anxious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was expecting you to uh, have hated this movie. Um, in fact, I told Big Tuna, a friend of the, the show, um, that I was pretty sure you were going to hate this film. <laughs> um, but well, I didn't like surprise. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, only because it's a really well-made film. Um, but I, I, it's bonkers was losing it at times is watching this i'm like oh my god what are you doing why are you acting like this and um her performance is outstanding uh there's so much to like i think take away from this film as far as like dissecting what what is it saying what is the point of it um why is she so about this um i am a big advocate as a film teacher and a person who devotes way too much of my time to watching movies and talking about movies um i'm a big advocate for the arts and uh, I, I feel like the arts are underappreciated. And often I think I think they're passed off as nothing more than entertainment. When, in fact, I think there's so much truth to be uh, distilled and so many lessons learned from uh, parables and and the, the stories that we share and tell. Um, that people who are ignoring that element of it, I feel, are, are doing a disservice to the craft. And I think that's a lot of what this character is uh having like an existential crisis about that um and it's uh man, there's so many little facets of this film that i you know um i think the non-spoiler section that we can describe the plot is 
Uh, she is a kindergarten teacher, as the title implies. Um, she is uh, unfulfilled, I think, with her job, and she is uh, taking further education classes. So not quite another degree, but like just like professional development to a degree, it sounds like, but maybe not required. Um, and she's in like a poetry class, and her teacher is Gail Garcia Bernal. And um, we see her read a poem, and it's kind of like, eh, whatever. It's, it's fine. It's not bad, but it's like, eh, whatever. Um, and she shares she seems disappointed and then like the next day or at least that's the it's hard to tell how much time actually passes in this movie but uh this kid um whose name i have already forgotten jimmy uh, jimmy um just starts spouting out a poem and it's really profound and he references god like and um she hears it she writes it down um and then she reads that poem as her own in her cl- in her class and she gets complete 180 uh instead of everyone being kind of like bored or or you know whatever everyone's impressed and blown away and she thinks this kid is a genius and so now like i I, at this point i don't know if we're supposed to understand where she's coming from if she's just going to use him and steal his poetry or if she's going to try to nurture this it's unclear what her motives are at first and uh yeah it's super it's super crazy because she starts there's a um i think unex unexpected maybe unexpected is not right an unwritten like maybe it's not even unwritten i don't know the the conduct that a teacher would have with their students in any grade level there's like an expectation of boundaries and i think right and i think those boundaries get stricter as the kid gets younger to some degree um because they are i think the ex in my head a, a five-year-old is incapable of making certain decisions and the adult has to be making those de- those decisions and hopefully are making the good decisions uh she throws a lot of those out the window very quickly um where you're just gonna be like what are you doing stop doing what you're doing why are you doing that even though uh <laughs> It, it may not ever go any further than just like you're gonna make yourself look bad. I don't want to give away what actually happens in any scenario, so I'm trying to say it, even if it doesn't do something really bad, it's still enough that you're just like, why are you doing what you're doing? And that, that happens real fast, like early, early in the movie, she starts making very questionable decisions, and you're just like, what are you doing? Um, and then it deals with like her home life and her, you know, there's there's a midlife crisis element to this movie, I think for sure. Um, a little bit of existentialism. How old is she? I need to know how long I have to go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, she, uh, her kids, one is going to college, right? One's about to graduate and the other one's uh, in high school too. So like both are, I would say 15 at the youngest. Yeah. I would say in her, uh, late thirties, early forties, maybe, maybe mid forties um, would be the ballpark that I would guess. Um, and I think there, there is a little bit of that um, like, not I didn't have you too young, but I had you young enough where maybe I, I sacrificed some of my own life goals to uh, be a parent kind of thing going on with her. Like there's a little bit of that. Um, but uh, she, you know, she has a loving husband. You know, he's uh, never depicted as anything other than that. Um, you know, he gets confused a few times, but generally I'd say a loving husband. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think it's, uh, it's thought provoking. Um, it's, 
cringy at times where like i was literally like physically recoiling from what was going on on the screen multiple times because i'm just like stop doing that um but i i feel like i it's not unintentional i think it's very very intentional with what it's doing and it's um again it spoke to some of my own perspectives about art not necessarily in the, what her choices are with how she deals with those things. But as far as like the actual subject, I, I think it's an important subject that we need to uh, grapple with. And I don't think everyone's up for it all the time, but um, I liked it. Uh, Corey, it sounds like you also were positive on it. Yes. Um, like it do you have anything you want to say before we go to spoilers? No. All right, let's do it. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about The Kindergarten Teacher from Netflix in great detail. You have been warned. Um, so, let's just jump to the end, huh? Like, okay. I mean, I, I think it's a good starting point because uh, uh, the kid <laughs> has shown to be very, very grown up for being a, a kindergarten kid. But, like... Um, I think there's some implication that maybe he's autistic or something like that, just because he does seem a little more like compared to the other kids, he's a little more chill and um, monotone and, and whatnot. Uh, and I think that even could be the implication of the prodigy element that he is um, a, a savant with poetry, that he is uh, an old soul, even like living inside this little boy. Um and so the end, he has been kidnapped, which I don't know how freaked out you were when she was doing it, but I was losing my, my mind that she was like, I'm like, are you for real right Even now? Even just like the, oh my God. So they show it in the trailer too, but she's just telling him how to open the gate at his new kindergarten. She just picks him up and walks away from the school yeah. and puts him in her car. And then they're driving to another state. They're trying to cross the border into Canada, right? Or her. That's her plan. Yeah, that is. Uh, they're going to go to Vancouver. Um, so there's the Vancouver connection. Um, but uh, she, um, I was a little surprised he went with her, like because he voluntarily goes with her at first. But uh, after they spend the day at the lake, he definitely starts feeling uncomfortable and locks her in the bathroom because again he's super smart. Well, um, I think. What bathroom locks from the outside? It's a little weird. I won't deny that. Also, it had like an old skeleton key. Like what kind of hotel is just, like rocking like an actual physical key in, for the bathroom? Um, but, you know, let's not get into those plot holes. Um, okay, stop. Because it, it's more important that, uh, or plot logic holes. Um, it's more important that the kid uh, wants to leave. Like he doesn't want to be kidnapped. So he, he like locks her in. He picks up the phone doesn't dial any number but then what i think the important thing is she isn't a bad person she is desperately clinging to this ideal and he represents that ideal hard and she's trying to uh basically not allow this artist to be ignored or lost in the ebb and flow of society that is so so um, concerned with technology and not um, with the arts that she thinks she's doing the right thing. So once he says he doesn't want to, she she tells him how to call 911. Uh, she tells him the address of the hotel so that he can tell the police. So like 
they, they they make her not a villain she never does anything sexual to the kid she never does you know there's there there's moments where it seems like she's gonna way cross a boundary because it seems like she might be in love with him almost um but that's not it and so that scene at the end i think is important um and i especially think the very last moment Ooh, is important yes with him in the police car uh and the officer you know saying oh, we're gonna get you an ice cream just a second and her closing the door and him going i have a poem and nobody caring i have a poem nobody caring because he does say it twice that's why i said it twice um and then fade to black I, I think that was super telling i think she is like i think the movie is saying she is right not justifying her actions she's completely wrong in her actions but uh i think it's trying to justify the insanity of her actions that um she sees artist flames being put out by indifference and uh maybe just um oversaturation of of content of media and that this kid is like the one gleaming hope that in the old days would have been treated like a king like she compares him to mozart to his father um and you know she's she's upset by that and i i get that um and uh she's she's i i feel like uh there's a little bit of criticism about people like myself um, and I think I, Corey, I feel comfortable lumping you into this as well. Oh gosh. Um, so, uh, she brings him to the poetry reading that was supposed to be her, like her teacher, Gail Garcia Bernal invites her to go to a poetry like club and read two of her poems. Um, and she secretly decides that she wants the kid to read his poems. So that's where the first sign that she's not trying to rip this kid off. That she really she kidnaps him. <clears throat> and the first time actually, it's kind of the second time the first oh. time to me was when she takes him to the museum which she's allowed to have him there there but she she turns off his cell phone she starts conditioning this like um when i'm he's with me you might not be able to reach us kind of like nonsense well she was already supposed to have him home at that point too though right yeah because the, so. the the babysitter or whatever is totally upset when she arrives very late um and then, uh, and yeah, but so she kidnaps him, takes him to the club. Um, the teacher finds out that uh, the poems that she read in class as her own were not hers. And he basically calls her out on being like, um, you're not an artist. You're just like a fan of, I forgot what he, the word he uses to call her that, but. Was it a spectator? Not a spectator. No, but that's kind of the idea. Um, yeah, appreciator. And that's like, I'm a film critic. You're self-appointed. No one, no one gave me this job. I, I love movies and. I love talking about movies and I don't love all movies. And so uh, criticism became a, a thing I started doing and I've been doing now for a long time. And I've gotten, I feel at least pretty versed in it. I've studied film from an academic standpoint. I've studied it as a fan. Um, I love filmmakers. I do not consider myself capable of filmmaking. I've tried my hand at writing and I think I'm a decent writer, um, but I don't think I have the drive or uh, dedication to writing stories for like film and TV. Um, I've tried my hand at, at a few different roles in short films. I, I can look at a film. I can tell you how things are done. But as far as the application of it, I'm not great at it. And I, I related to that with Maggie Gyllenhaal's character in this film, that she loves poetry. She appreciates poetry. She can write some. It's not great. She doesn't understand why she can't write great poetry. But she appreciates great poetry when she hears it. And that's 
I think maybe a criticism about people like me, about critics and how we, maybe we latch on to uh, artists and we, you know, like I am with Sean Baker. Like I am a huge advocate for Sean Baker or David Lowry. I, you know, the ghost story is one of my faves. Uh, I push for these people that others maybe don't know about. Um, and I push for them maybe sometimes more than they push themselves. You know, I don't, I don't see Sean Baker like constantly talking about how great his movies are, but I do, you know, <laughs> and you should. But then again, would people listen if like, hey, I made this great movie? Probably yeah. not, right? Like, yeah. so, um, but, you know, I think there's some some things there that I connected to with this. Um, uh, as a teacher, I did not connect with this at all. I was appalled by every element. <laughs> um, she takes him into the bathroom. Multiple times. Multiple times by herself. And I'm like, that's not okay. Nothing happens. It's never inappropriate outside of the fact that they should not be alone in a bathroom together. But, um even like waking him up during nap time and taking him outside. Right. Uh, Giving her his phone number and telling her to call him Mrs. L or Lisa or whatever. Um, Yeah. All of that. And again, I, I teach high school. So there's a, there's a, there's different boundaries. Obviously with a high school student, it's, there's still obviously potential for danger with um, sexuality and it's maybe even heightened on a, on a, you know, some of the kids are 18 and that kind of thing. But with little kids, I think there's just got to be more boundaries. And yes, little kids are, are clingier. That's one of the reasons I would never teach kindergarten because like people like to hug and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I but can like, count how many times yeah. we've hugged. I, I don't like hugging. I'm not a hugger. Um, so weird to me because I'm such a hugger. I am. I I just feel like COVID has proven my point. <laughs> no, no. Hugging is not okay. Um, it's perfectly great. But like, even like, I thought in general, her, like, she's way too, well, like, her hands on a kid's head at one point. I'm like, what are you, what are you touching the kid's head for? It's not even. Even like the way she rubs their back seems like, I don't know if intimate is the right word. I, it's mostly motherly, but it is, it's, I think most people now we try to refrain from like that kind of connection because you don't know what you don't want to cross a boundary and you don't want to be And some kids aren't comfortable with that some people aren't comfortable with that like Mm -hmm. and you won't know until it's too late very true um and well and so there's um a part where i think where the relationship between the two becomes very like it even it it tilts even more inappropriate which is after he reads his poems uh there's a weird q a that happens for the kid like the people in the audience questions for a poet yeah um they they really want to ask questions and uh one guy asks who anna is because that's the a name in his first poem and he says uh, way too intelligently that um, anna could be anybody but for him it is uh her assistant teacher in the classroom megan and that like makes her start crying and she's really really upset and uh th- that implies that she kind to him what is it she like doesn't stop being kind to him she just asks no. him to walk outside the like she doesn't get angry with him like no i feel no. like some people would it's more like she's i think she's it's hurt. unclear if she's hurt because maybe she hoped she was the muse that the kid was inspired by or is she jealous because 
you know, it's not her. You know, I mean? like, is it is it like a love thing? Does she feel betrayed? She doesn't like you're. She doesn't act out on it. She doesn't hurt him. Um, but man, it's so like it's so horrifying to see her so devastated by that that phrasing, especially because it's so unclear is it, which version is it be simply because she wants to be the inspiration and she's not furthering like her disconnect from him. Like she has zero influence on his poetry or is it because she wants him to love her and not Megan, you know, like that. I felt, I felt like it was because he didn't realize how much she was doing for him or like what an advocate I don't know. She is for him. It, it, that's definitely possible. Because um, Megan seems kind of oblivious to the, the kid altogether. Not that mm-hmm. she's mean to him, but she's just she's doing her job. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character definitely is a very hands-on uh, teacher and goes above and beyond for this kid who she, she deems as a prodigy. There's the whole side elements of her and her family's relationships that she feels like they're not applying themselves. They're not they're not playing into their talents like her son's an athlete and he's opting to uh go to the military rather than take the college scholarship that he has because i think he's done with sports um her daughter gets good grades but her daughter even says like i don't have to try and you've worked your butt off and i think there's a little bit of like that kind of frustration when uh you see someone who's so naturally gifted and you work really hard that like and you're still not achieving your goals i think there is a, a a bit of jealousy that can arise from that and um even just frustration in general. Like why, if I work so hard, am I still stuck here? You know, why can't I move past this? Um, I, I it's, it's a very relatable movie. It's also, uh, it's Corey time. It's an hour and 33 minutes, I think. Um, so it's nice and short and succinct. It gets right to the point. Um, I think that it's so interesting because it seems like when she like notices this kid's talent, her whole life starts unraveling. <laughs> she like loses it. She, you know, well, I, she... I think it's it's a perfect melting pot, right? It's her own failure. Like she's in this class, she reads her poem. It's kind of mocked. She looks un- unhappy. He is the spark that gives her hope that maybe the you know art can happen. There is a possibility if this kid can do this. Who knows? And then when she reads, she hears his poem. She, I think the the fact that she discovered him is important to her. That, um, you know, she, the, I think why she reads the poem as her own in the class is to see how people respond to it. Cause she yeah. thinks it's great. Do they think it's great? Oh, they do think it's great. So I was right. That means I do know good poetry, right? Like when I recommend a movie and people are like, oh, you were so right. That movie's amazing. It makes me feel really good. I had nothing to do with that movie. All I did was point them in a direction. There are plenty of cases where I've pointed people in a direction of a movie and they hate it. And it's like, I don't talk about that though, you know? So like, I think there's that element there. And I I think you're right though. She becomes so obsessed with this that every other element of her life starts to, you know, fall apart. I don't Um, really know if it's just that she becomes obsessed with this. I don't know. I think because we also see her sleep with her teacher. Yeah, but she she initially was he, he to be fair he brings that on like pretty hard. He kisses her out of nowhere, um, and she stops the kiss, and then throughout the course of the conversation, yeah, it gets it gets sexual. It but, was like five minutes later. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we like, I don't know. I 
I feel bad for her husband because of that, obviously, but he's such a supportive spouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, he will is. you read me your poem? And then she won't even read it to him. She just hands it to him. Um, but I mean, like, her... Everything in her life is obviously taken away from hometown time. She answers a f- the phone for the kid and writes down a poem when they're trying to have About relations. Have sex. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he and it and should she. be noted, too, uh, that. Um, oh, I, I totally lost. My, oh, um, when she kidnaps him to take him to the poetry uh, session, the kid doesn't come to school the next day. She she let the kid stay at her house that night. I was very confused about that because it seemed like she took him to her house, but then how did the kid get back home? Did I just miss that? Because yeah, they just jumped to later that day. Um, but uh, he doesn't come to school. Um, she gets, she calls him in a very creepy kind of like, like we spent the night together. Why aren't you calling me? Kind of like phone call. That's what it sounds like. Right. Like the, the voicemail. She's like, Hey, I just want to check on you. And then the dad calls finally. Um, and the fact that she's not fired or in jail about any, like the first time that she takes a kid to the museum, I'm like, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you're going to lose everything. Right. And, and so somehow the, the dad accepts her apology. The kid's safe, but he just takes her out of, he takes the kid out of her, her class and puts him in another school. And that's when she kidnaps him, kidnaps him, like goes there, takes him, runs off. And the kid again, turns it. So I, we obviously she's the assumption is she's going to go to jail uh, or at least a psych, a psychiatric ward. Cause she's definitely lost her mind at this point. Right. But, um, I, I, man, what, a, what a movie it's, it's, it's really thought provoking. It's stressful as hell. Um, it's an amazing performance from her. Uh, yeah, I good, good pick. I would say. Thanks. Yeah. Because this has been on my radar for a little while, but I say that about a lot of movies, and it's true. A lot of movies are on my radar, but that doesn't mean they're going to get watched anytime soon. So I often need either this podcast to prompt Mm -hmm. me to finally get to it or for someone else to be like, look, you're watching this movie. And in this case, it was both. Um, And I'm glad because I do think it's really good. I'm um, actually uh, I'm very curious to watch the original for two reasons. Uh, One. Uh, earlier this year, I yet again lost uh, the Oscar um, pool to oh, uh, Big no. Tuna, and he picked a movie for me to watch, um, as is the conditions, uh, that is directed by the uh, original writer and original director for the uh, 2014 version um, oh. from called uh, – it's Nadav Lapid is the director. The movie that I'm supposed to watch is called Synonyms. Um, it is very uh, all over the place with reviews, but Sean loved it. Um, and that's why he wants me to watch it. And I was going to watch it tonight, but uh, because we're recording, I'm going to wait and watch it either tomorrow or Saturday. Um, but I've had it's I've been supposed to watch it since um, January. And Sean was like, well, since you watched The Kindergarten Teacher, did you know that it's a remake of a 2014 film? I was like, no. He's like, and did you know the person who directed that directed the movie you're supposed to be watching? And I'm like, nope, but I get your point. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I shall be watching uh, synonyms here soon um, as a result of finally watching the kindergarten teacher. So uh, that's that. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, no. Well, um, I, 
I think I'm going to go not quite golden for this. Um, partly just because I don't know that uh, I'm going to say anyone has to sit through some of the uh, very like tense and crazy sequences. Um, so calling it must see feels a little generous because of that. Um, but I do think if you are an advocate for art and the its role in our world, I think this is a must see film. I'm going to lean towards not quite golden for myself though. I'm actually going to go with that too, but I think anyone who goes into this movie should be prepared to be very uncomfortable and a little tense. Yes. It's very, so very tense. funny because I wasn't going to watch the movie last night. I really wanted to watch either Ghost Story or Green Room, Ooh. which Ghost Story is going to make me cry my eyeballs out and my face is going to be like puffy for like two days. Um, and then Green Room stresses me out. So, but I like it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, one's like a roller coaster stress out to me. Like I yes. am on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, yeah. I, I've been wanting to watch a ghost story. I've been listening to the song from Ghost Story uh, a lot. It's it's one of my favorite like kind of atmospheric songs. I just uh, I love the song. Um, Overwhelmed is the name of it. Oh. Um, uh, I I adore that song. I, it is a regular on uh, my rotation for uh, movie related music. Um, and so I've been wanting to rewatch Ghost Story. I, I've been wanting to rewatch a lot. Yeah, uh, same. It, it's it's just hard because I I know I have all these other movies I need to watch that I haven't seen, and, and um, you know I got the obligations for the podcast, uh, both at least two a week, and I try to do at least one or two reviews a week, so I have to watch something I've never seen for that. So uh, cramming in extra stuff, especially since I'm watching Gilmore Girls, usually that would be the time when I throw on something when I'm working that I've already seen, but I'm currently doing that with Gilmore Girls. Um, uh, which sometimes distracts me from my work, but other times I can just, you know, it's it's in the background. I'm getting enough of it where I don't have to, like, give it 100% of my attention. But um, that's that. Uh, that's the episode, folks. We are done with our review of The Kindergarten Teacher. Next week, uh, we will be watching um, American Sun, which is another Netflix. Uh, this one is a Netflix original, though, um, that is uh, very relevant to the time that we are still living in. Um I'm getting the plot synopsis now. It's going to be a very tense watch from my understanding. Um, American Sun is a 2019 film. Um, well, this is maybe not the one I thought it was, but um, I'm not loving the meta score I'm looking at. And a strange couple reunite in a Florida police station to help find their missing teenage son. I don't think this is the one I wanted, but oh well. Um, it's on here, so we're going to watch it. Um, may, unless I change it before the end of this podcast. But uh in the meantime while i decide if that's what we're watching or not let's um get our social media out of the way Corey, where can people follow you on the internet at Corey r star two r's on the end and you can follow me at burke reviews on twitter uh instagram and of course um letterbox.com which is one that i love to uh really put out there because i love letterbox i i do i wish they would sponsor us they they don't but i think I have earned their respect if they would only listen to the show. But, um, man, I, I know there's another movie. I thought this was it, and I'm fairly confident this is not what I thought it was. Uh, Why don't you just switch your two movies and then... What was my other one? Oh, yeah, that works. Let's do that. Um, for next week, we will do uh, Chirac, which is a Spike Lee film from, I think, two years ago, which is available to watch uh, on with a subscription to Amazon Prime. And then I will have a, a week to decide if the other one. So yeah, 
Good call, Corey. We're going to watch a Spike Lee film, uh, Chirac, for two reasons. One, because of Black Lives Matter, and two, because I am working through Spike Lee's filmography, and this is one that I've not seen yet. So I'm trying to check uh, that off the list. Um, and you haven't seen it either, if I'm not mistaken, right, Corey? Correct. Um, I don't know what your uh, history is with Spike Lee, but... I don't think I've seen much. Oh, I, I have become a huge Spike Lee fan. Um, you've seen Black Klansman, right? Yes. So uh, at the very least, you've seen that one, and that is one of his best ones of recent time. Chirac is interesting because it is a modern-day adaptation of the ancient Greek play Lestrata. Uh, I might say that wrong by Aristophanes, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong. Um, but it's set against the backdrop of gang violence in Chicago. So it's uh, Spike Lee doing this kind of interesting adaptation. Um, got a really cool cast. Nick Cannon, uh, Tayana Paris, Wesley Snipes, Angela Bassett, who's always amazing. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson, because uh, Samuel L. Jackson is my number one actor. I've seen over 50 movies with Samuel L. Jackson. I've seen more than any other actor, according to Letterboxd. Um, John Cusack's in this, Jennifer Hudson. Um, it's a big cast, which is not uncommon for Spike Lee. Oh, Dave Chappelle's in it, too. Um I, I'm a I again I'm becoming quite a fan of Spike Lee's work. Um, I had seen a few of his like big movies, but now I've seen a lot of his other. Uh, a lot of his movies are big for compared to others, but um, I'm very excited to check this one out. I like the idea of it being a Greek play. It has uh, mixed reviews, but a 77 on Metascore, so a positive overall. Um, but that's what we'll be watching next week. So uh, if you like the show, if you like what we're doing, please take a moment, rate and review us on whatever service you're using. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, and with that, we'll be back. Stay safe, wear your mask, and keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.